Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am your host, Rick Stevens, and this is your show. Remember, if you've got questions that you would like to have answered, if you've got a topic that you would like us to cover on a future episode of Money Matters, feel free to give me a call, 719-500-8700. You can send me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com or Simply go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com, click on that contact tab, send us that question, send us that topic you'd like to hear about, because we would love to hear from you. Well, folks, we are once again this week in studio with Andrew Rogers. Andrew, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you doing, Rick? Uh, you know what? I would I would say something like finer than frog hair, but uh, maybe the, the reality should be finer than my own hair. Because that's awfully fine See, these days. You you could go there. I, I didn't want to touch that one. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've got to tell you, uh-huh. just before we jump into the to the sort of hodgepodge of things we're going to talk about this week, um, I I thought it was a pretty good enjoyable week in the uh, NFL playoffs this this past weekend. Yeah, and I think you know one thing we learned, and this might be a little bit applicable later on with the uh, financial discussions in the show notes, is that. Uh, that three-point lead really doesn't mean anything. You know, there's a lot of uh, maybe knee-jerk decisions trying to uh, get things back uh, on track. Exactly. You know, there there are oftentimes, uh, you know, whether we're talking in the sports world or, or we're talking about uh, even in our investment lives and, and how we deal with money, there are oftentimes we make a knee-jerk decision in uh, in that uh, that exact game moment, if you will, that may not always be the best choice. Yeah. The but the best thing I think to come out of the entire weekend I didn't have to watch a Packers game. Yeah, didn't have to hear about it, didn't have to hear that name of the guy who can't spell his own last name correctly. You know, every once in a while folks throw a few extra letters in here once in a while but try to pronounce it the same way. Well, right? and it's really hard if you if your first name also shares the First letter of that. Uh, there's been a lot of times I've been called Aaron, like it or not. Ooh, I, I am, I am so, yeah. so sorry, so sorry on that. Uh, well, folks, we are talking this week about a variety of different uh, pieces in your financial world. We're actually going to pick up with a couple of things we did not get to in the previous episode of Money Matters. We're going to talk a little bit about the Secure Act. Then we're also going to get into that uh, that emotional decision making when it comes to not only the things that we see, the things that we read, things we hear, but but also when it comes to making those financial choices. So that's going to be a little later on in the show. But but first, Andrew, I want to I want to touch on a couple of different things that that were part of the Secure Act 2.0 the, that passed at the end of December in in 2022 here. 
went into effect at the beginning of uh, 2023. But I'm going to start with a little question here. Have you ever misplaced anything in your entire life? Once or twice. Your kids aren't old enough for you to misplace things often yet, though, right? Oh, I they're old enough to move them and make me think that I've misplaced them nonstop. <laughs> uh, well, that, uh, that, that happens a lot. Uh, happens a lot in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think there's an old Jeff Foxworthy bit about, uh, you know, the idea that we've misplaced something and, and many times folks will, well, somebody stole it, yeah. right? You know, somebody walked into the house and stole the remote control. I don't know where that is anymore. Or you can't find something and, you know, someone just threw it away instead. Yep, and yep, it turns yep. Into of course, issue. of course. And, and I oftentimes run into folks that have sort of that misplaced concept, if you will, oddly enough with retirement plans. And 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 that's one of those things where sometimes you're thinking, how can you misplace a retirement plan? But the reality of it is sometimes we may or may not remember, especially if this is 15, 20, 25 years ago even, that there was a small plan at a company somewhere because sometime along the lines, they stopped sending you statements. Yeah, it's one of those things, too. It's like you almost like collect them like you do, you know, old polos from where you work, things like that. That, uh, yeah, I was uh, actually having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they're like, yeah, I think I've got four, five, six, 401ks. I'm like, man, what are you like? Trying to get up to a punch, like get a punch card filled out or something. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes it's like uh, you know, at least when I was a kid, because as an Xer, I know I did this as a kid, and there are boomers mm-hmm. out there that did it. Sometimes it's about the baseball cards, right? That you collected years yeah. and years and years ago. That sometimes you forgot that you have. Uh, the the nice part about that is though, if you've still kept those. 20, 25, 30 years later, they, they might be worth a little something. Yeah, not like the uh, the Beanie Babies of my generation. You can collect those all day long, probably not worth much. Uh, worth uh, pretty much the beans that were inside of them these yeah. days. Uh, but the the nice part about the, the idea that if you had an old retirement plan, if you've collected a few of these and you don't always remember where they're at, well, part of the new SECURE Act is that the Labor Department is going to create a national, searchable, lost-and-found database for your retirement plans. So very similar to uh, what like the you know state treasurers here, Colorado, pretty much all the other states do as far as that lost property database, right? Exactly, exactly. That's sort of that concept out there because I, I can't tell you how many folks that I have uh, either been working with directly or have you know, just called to ask questions about, hey, how do I find whether or not I had a, a retirement account at this particular employer? And most of the time, it's an employer that doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. but that retirement account still does. If the employer still existed, you could typically call their call their HR department, call the benefits folks, give them the name, Ask them, you know, where where is this housed, and you can make some phone calls from there. But if they don't exist, you're you're kind of out of luck at that point. Yeah, and is that something too that, uh, especially you know, with a lot of these you know big banking changes, things like that, you know, we saw during 07, 08, some of the banks went under. Is that something where your four hundred one k account could be in the hands of something different or in a, under a different name than what you remember years and years down the road once you first set it up? 
So there's the, there there's a wonderful it depends answer that okay. we can get to with that. Um, if the organization that is running the plan has not changed, so if it's Fidelity or if it's Vanguard or it's something like Empower, it's still going to be under them. However, yeah. if in the process before the company you were at ceases to exist, whether that was they closed doors, they, they declared bankruptcy, or they were acquired by somebody else, that may have moved from one place to another okay. to another which will make it a little bit more difficult to find until they get that database put together. And once they've got that, things become much, much easier. Nice. So, I mean, you know, kind of working with this and, you know, with your clients, how big of a problem is this where people may all of a sudden realize, oh, I've got this, I think, sitting out there, but not realizing it for so many years down the road? You know, I've actually had folks that as we've gone through and eventually found some of these older retirement plans that, you know, they maybe only worked for this particular employer for a year or two, but it was 25 years ago. And, and they're thinking, ah, you know, I might have put away in that time frame a thousand or two thousand dollars. Well, a thousand or two thousand dollars just sitting, growing based on what the investments were that it was in 20 years later sometimes can be ten and $15,000 at that point, which is definitely something you want to be able to go through and find that you've got. Because I don't know about you, but in my world, I like when I just get a surprise $15,000 showing up somewhere. It, it comes in handy. Yeah. Well, and the best part about it is, too, is that you're not sitting there playing with it and trying to change funds, things like that. It's really the best kind of account because it's really been left alone. Exactly. You know, that's one of those things that we talk about, that uh, one of those strategies that we that we typically employ, right? It's a buy and hold strategy. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on as well. But it's one of those things that one of my favorite Dave Ramsey quotes of all time is where Dave has said the best investment decision you can make is to buy a good growth stock mutual fund and forget that you own it. Mm hmm. It's that same sort of an idea because it does take that emotion out of those decisions. It, it We're not worried about the, the ups and downs in the market over that 20-year period. We just totally forgot that this stuff was where it is. And look at what it's done over over that long time frame. Yeah, it's not prone to the you know guys on TV with the soundbite machines and the you know skies falling routine. That it really is that kind of Ron Popeil mindset. It's really set it and forget it. It is, and and I, I do have to tell you though, I, I like to watch those guys once in a while just to see what the new buzzer sounds like. All right. Um, so those those are kind of fun. One of the other things I wanted to kind of touch on as well. Right, we we got that Department of Labor searchable online database coming. We also touched briefly on that idea that there are some new rules, right, that that deal with emergency savings and how you can actually access a thousand dollars of your retirement account penalty free, and as long as you put it back, you can come back to that thousand dollars over and over. Uh, there there are some annual restrictions on there. I think it's once every three years you can access that. But I do want to throw out there for folks who who might be listening thinking, oh, look, that's my emergency savings. A, $1,000 is not a whole lot to have in the emergency savings. Mm -hmm. And and B, it's still a good idea to have an emergency savings account. Just because you can get to those retirement dollars and not get penalized for it now 
still doesn't take the place of having an actual emergency fund set up. And and one of the things that I will tell folks, this actually just happened to me yesterday. Okay. I'm taking one of my daughters to her ballet class, snow on the road, hit what I think is just you know a little pothole, but it's covered up because I can't see anything. And about 10 minutes later, I actually have to pull over because one of the tires got shredded oh. by that pothole. And, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got an emergency savings set aside because they're fairly new tires that shouldn't have needed replaced yet, which would be dipping into that emergency sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Uh, thankfully, I have enough vehicles in my fleet uh, with enough drivers that, you know, there, there might be a driver or two at my house that's uh, down a vehicle today because... Dad needed to still go places. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be able to take that, change it out, get the new tire put on, and not have to dip into something like retirement savings to make that happen. Yeah, it's a great way to do that. And, you know, what other kind of restrictions are there as far as kind of those rules? Because uh, as we were th- talking about it last week and kind of carrying over, there's so many questions as far as, you know, utilizing that. And then are there other fees? I know the government is saying that it's, you know, no penalties, but could whoever is handling that account, whoever is managing that 401k, could they still get their hands onto something and say, well, yeah, it's intended this, but we're still going to charge XYZ? Uh, well, typically, no, because those things would already be set up inside of that plan. And generally speaking, in a corporate retirement plan, there's not going to be a cost to pull money out. Okay. Um, there may be a cost if this is like your own IRA set up outside of work and that $1,000 will actually close it, there may be fees to actually close out the account if you're not putting those uh, those dollars back. But that's typically going to be on your individual plan, not on the corporate side. Okay. So one of those other quick things that, uh, that I wanted to uh, come back and hit on this as well is that those RMD, right, the Required Minimum Distribution Rules, they have changed, and one of those things that, that had been in place is with a Roth IRA, if you have inherited it, there were there were a, a number of restrictions on there, not the least of which was, even though there are no taxes due, you've got to pull that money out in total over 10 years. Mm-hmm. That has changed if you're the spouse now. If you are the spouse, you no longer have to pull those dollars out in that 10-year time frame which makes it a whole lot easier in your own world. You get to treat it like it's your own Roth IRA at that point in time. So just a couple of those pieces here in this uh, first segment today that that I think we we may not have gone deep enough on uh, maybe last week and, and really wanted to get out there. Folks, we are up against that first break in today's show. When we come back, we are going to be talking about emotion. So stick around. You certainly don't want to miss where we're headed next. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO. Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Money Matters presented by FRS Financial. Rick Stevens with Andrew Rogers this week. We are talking a hodgepodge of different things as it relates to your money. And and Andrew, I want to start by asking you a simple question. Okay. Have you ever made a decision emotionally rather than logically or, or rationally? Once or twice. Easy. Yeah. I, I may have made a decision like that a time or two. I can, mm-hmm. I can uh, remember many years ago, and I can say many years ago because I'm talking it's been 30-plus years at this point, um, being in a baseball game, being not real happy with the guy who was up to bat, and I may have made an emotional decision a time or two or three uh, to, uh, as we would say in baseball, allow him to wear one. Okay. Uh, he he may or may not have gotten a, a pitch to the ribs because as a pitcher at that point, I made an emotional decision. Yeah, it was just – so it wasn't the ref or the ump just kind of tightening up his strike zone. This was – this, yeah, this was this was me not liking uh, a celebration, perhaps okay. uh, at at that point in time. And and I will also say I've been on the receiving end of emotional yeah. decisions uh, before, where I have received a, a reminder not to celebrate okay. quite so extravagantly. We can make emotional decisions very easily, right? Yeah. E- emotions don't generally come out with the best decisions. Uh, typically speaking, we, we want to make logical, rational decisions. Yeah, kind of more Mr. Spock versus Captain Kirk. Exactly, exactly. And and especially when it comes to our money. Yeah. We we may have seen over the last few years a few headlines that that might lead to some monetary emotions, if you will. Well, and again, you know, we brought it up during the first segment. There's a whole segment on I don't want to say cable news, but on cable news that is <laughs> yes, yes. designed to use said emotions to get you to uh, buy whatever CPAP machine is going to be on in between their segments. Exactly, exactly. You know the the whole thing, and and as a guy who has spent pretty much his entire life in the news world, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go with. You've heard the phrase a time or two, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, and as somebody who's currently in it, who's you know made their career in it, there's still the research that they remind us all the time that that is one of the top things that the research and the think tanks that corporate is uh, brought in finds important to, to our listeners and our audience. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that when when we can stir emotions, mm-hmm. right? And we could go through all of the the wonderful, crazy gobbledygook of uh, you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. and you know having that basal side met, and you know that's the more emotional versus the self actualization. And, and I could bore everybody to death, but I'm not going to do that. Thank you. Okay, what I am going to talk about though is some of the recent headlines that have been out there. The, the best one that I saw just a couple days ago. Yeah. Debt ceiling disaster. How many times in your lifetime or in mine ha- do you think we've seen somebody mention, oh my goodness, we're about to run into the debt ceiling? Probably about every time that uh, it comes up for a debate in Congress. Yeah, it's I'm, always I'm, a crisis. I'm feeling like it's... 
pretty much every year, if not every other year at the very least. Yeah. Well, and especially now, it's designed to be that crisis and disaster because of the current political situation. It's it, it's crazy out there. Just one of the many things, right? I mean, we've we we heard basically all through 2021 and through 2022 about oh my goodness the record inflation what's it going to do to our economy yeah and and my favorite absolute favorite i saw this one yesterday headline is man who predicted lehman crash and that's the collapse of lehman brothers back in 2007 mm-hmm. man who predicted lehman crash makes new prediction now, that's not oh. to say in the last 15 years he hasn't made hundreds of predictions. Yeah. That's not to say whether any of those were correct. Just, ooh, the guy who guessed right once guesses again. Wow. Yeah. Or, uh, or a lot of the, you know, outrage and talking points, even we've seen here in Colorado since the beginning of the year, that. 10 cent bag fee added on at uh, grocery stores and you get that kind yeah. of false outrage that emotional and when you realize it unless you're you know shopping for an entire you know <laughs> football team not you know i mean again your family withstanding yes yes then what it's going to be maybe 10 bags at the grocery store for a big haul it's right. a buck right right and and in the grand scheme of things that 10 cents a bag, yes, it's a buck. And really, 60 cents of that goes to the state. 40 cents of that stays with the store to yeah. figure out what to do with. To, for the programming to add it on to the machines. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one of the one of the things I want to hit here, because we, we keep hearing it over and over and over, and I know we've actually talked about it here on the, uh, on the show a few times, but I think we've tried to be a little bit more reasonable with it uh, on here because – it's not about freaking anybody out, and, and that is about the inflation. And yes, nobody's going to say that that in 2022 and in 2021 that we didn't have higher-than-usual inflation. Yes. Right? I mean, the numbers will bear that out. But I can recall at some point hearing that, oh my goodness, it's like 30 and 40% inflation, and oh my goodness, what's going on with this, that, and the other you know what the actual inflation rate for the calendar year of 2022 ended up being over the course of the full year? 6.15%. Somebody's been studying. Yeah. 6, 6.15. But Not this 30, 40, 50%. Now, yes, some things went up considerably mm-hmm. because, yes, eggs are more expensive, bacon was more expensive, fuel is more expensive. Yeah. But there were some things where it didn't really go up that much yeah but you're not going to get people to click on your website or view those ads on your dot com space or whatever by saying you know inflation a little high but only 6.1 percent you got to get them in you got to hook them absolutely absolutely where's the bait in it exactly and 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 what i really have to do is say hey i've got the secret to take care of this and for only 5.99 a month you you can subscribe to my xyz service and i'll tell you all about it yeah I always love those, but but what I want to take a look at here a little bit is, again, to help folks have their mind at ease a little bit. Yes, inflation over six percent for the for the year twenty twenty two. For twenty twenty one, it was just under five percent. It was at four point seven. The last time inflation was at those rates 
30 years ago. Yeah. Actually, 1990, inflation was at 5.4. And you got to go back to 1980s, the the really the late 70s, early 80s for things at that rate. Uh, I, and again, we all we all heard that record inflation. Well, in 1981, it was 10.3%. Yeah. 6.15 is not record inflation. No. In fact, 10.3 is not record inflation. We go back a little bit to 1979, it was 11 and a quarter percent, which was also not record inflation. Record inflation happened in 1980. Now, that may have been a little before your time, not not asking for, you know, dates of birth and anything, but in 1980, I was six. Yeah. So I'm going to guess you weren't yet. No. Purely a guess. 1980, the inflation rate was 13.55%, more than double what it was for 2022. Absolutely. And again, you know, with something we talked about, we talked about, you know, with experts on the show last year. And if you look at it and if you just look at just how this is all playing out, it's cyclical. I mean, we've seen this before. We know to combat that record inflation in 1980. A gentleman by the name of Paul Volcker, the then Fed chair, yes, decided to raise interest rates. Yeah. Flash forward now. Yes. We have a disciple of Paul Volcker. Yes. Heading the chair, the Fed. Obviously, Jerome Powell seen on his confirmation hearings carrying Volcker's memoir. Yes. What are we doing now to tamp down on inflation again? Exactly. And the, raising those rates. And the sky didn't fall. In the 80s, actually led to a pretty good period of economic stability in yes, a, a very fruitful point. So it's uh, kind of taking a step back and taking that emotion out of it, taking that outrage at the pump of I'm paying what to fill up the tank. And we're looking back at the cyclical nature, knowing that, hey, we've been here before. We've gotten out of here before, too. Yep, exactly. And and one of those interesting pieces, because I, I get a lot of folks that, that worry about this. You know, oh, my goodness, what what are we going to do about the inflation? And, and what, what numbers do we need to be using to compute inflation, especially in my retirement years when, when I'm not got that ability to bring in as much extra income in that time frame? And this is what I usually tell folks. If I go back to 1973, yeah. right, I take the last 50 years. Inflation, on average, is 3.99% annually. Mm -hmm. And if we go back to 1983, the last 40 years, it's 2.8% on average. (laughs) And the the best piece of this that I've looked at, if you look from 93, 2003, or 2013, whether that's the last 20 years, last 30 years, the last 10 years, it's either 2.47%. 2.44 or 2.4 percent, pretty low on average. That all every last one of those includes the 6.15 from 2022 and the 4.7 from 2021. Yeah, they all include that. So it just takes out that, you know, kind of that emotional side of seeing right now. And again, goes back to the big picture thing of knowing that this is an economy. It's not just what you're seeing on the market on the bottom of a ticker. And that uh, it could almost be considered a living organism that breathes in and out. You see these ebbs and flows, and that's healthy for our overall economic situation. Exactly, exactly. And and what I also oftentimes are I'm telling folks, you know, if the next thirty look like the last thirty, 
and we're averaging 2.5% mm-hmm. as our inflation rate year over year, when I'm sitting down and I'm doing the planning as what it's going to cost, how are things going to change, I use a 3% number for inflation. I try to guess high in that world because, no, we're not just planning your retirement year for 2023. We're, re- we're planning your retirement for 2023 through 2043 or 2053. We're, yeah. we're looking at that over 20 and 30 years. You know, one of the one of the other uh, pieces I saw yesterday. I, I, this was this was awesome. Mm-hmm. Headline says S and P five hundred rally unsustainable, and I had to go. Really, the, the rally is unsustainable. A, we just recently came out of a ten year bull market. So to say that any rally is unsustainable at this point is is totally ludicrous. Not the least of which is, you know, we I know 2022, it's a down year overall. But we've got to look at those numbers and what happened, not just as the year of the whole, but again, we talk the cyclical nature of things. We've got to look at what is that cycle? What's been going on, not just for the whole year, but what was the trend through the year? And uh, do you know the fourth quarter was actually a really good quarter in the markets? No. Yeah, the uh, the Dow, since October 1st of last year up through basically the middle of January now, is up about 18%. Now, again, based on when we record versus when we air, we could be plus or minus a little bit, but up about 18% since October 1. The S&P, which measures the movement in 500 companies, is up over 11%, and the NASDAQ is up almost 5 Yeah. So all of that, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. What are we going to do next? There's movement to the plus side. It's it's okay, folks. We can relax a little bit. But then again, you know, you can also still make that point too, as far as that rally, because you can just change what the definition of a rally is. If we learned anything from last year, that definition isn't set in stone. So you could just take a one day, you know, one day correction. Oh, that see, look, yep. didn't sustain. Back yep. to square one. Start we can, again. We, we can always redefine things. Folks, that is it for this segment of Money Matters. We will be right back. We're going to continue talking about some logic and reason, so stick around because that's the logical choice. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back to Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I'm Andrew Rogers, along with Rick Stevens. You know, Rick, we've talked a lot about kind of looking at the real numbers, looking, you know, not just uh, what we see, you know, being plastered in front of newspapers on TV, things like that, uh, almost kind of taking that look at the forest versus the trees. And that's really something that leads into the underlying current of this whole show and conversation has been taking those more logical and rational, more reasonable approaches, especially when it comes to your money and to investing, because 
everyone's trying to get that emotional response, but really, when you take emotion out of it, it's not as scary as people are trying to paint it right now. No, you know, it's it's one of those things, and, and I see this quite often with folks, uh, whether it's a, a program they've seen or listened to or just a commercial that, that's played somewhere that, that really is trying to sink that emotional hook into folks to say, you know, did, did uh, you know, this past year destroy your entire life savings? We can help you rebuild. Or are you afraid of ever losing money again? We can keep that from happening. This product is a hedge against inflation. Of course. Yes, yes. I love all of those, all of those different things. One of my favorites um, at one point early on in 2022 were the folks who were trying to make the case for cryptocurrency being the digital version of precious metals. Yes. That didn't work out so well for those guys. Well, I mean, you know, we also just talked the Bitcoin's had a 30% rally. So even those kind of markets are more cyclical and have those ups and downs that we see in every other market. Yes. It's almost yes. like consumer patterns and the laws of money and math are, you know, universal no matter what you're trading in. Yeah, it's it's crazy that, that stuff like that actually works and actually happens and and for folks paying attention to things, not just looking at what's going on this morning, this afternoon, today, this week, but really trying to go, okay, I'm trying to make this plan. I'm making this plan based on the next 10 years. I'm probably not going to repeat today or this week, or quite frankly, even this month, over and over and over again for the next 10 years, I really need to take that long, hard look at things. Yeah, it's not Groundhog's Day. We're not going to wake up to Sunny and share every morning in the exact same situation. We have to look at what months and weeks and years really do transpire because things change every day. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of those things where I'm working with folks and, you know, A, I start out with when you are a client, it's your money, right? I, I can't tell you how many people said, well, I, I, I'm giving this to you to take care of. No, 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 no. You're not giving it to me. It does not come into my pocket. It is not something that I can take home with me at night. Well, what you are given to me is the opportunity to help you make good, logical, rational choices because it is your money. And how I help folks do that is we sit down, and again, this is one of those education pieces that, that I go through with, with, with all clients, and that's I'm not going to take this and, and just make a, uh, you know, what's the, what's the best, newest, brightest, whatever sort of thing. We're going to take that long-term look because I can't guarantee, well, hey, I can't guarantee anything, quite frankly, but what I cannot certainly guarantee is that what happened yesterday in the market is going to happen tomorrow again. Yeah, it's that little fiduciary responsibility. It's not like, you know, what we've also seen in the headlines like Sam Bankman freed as far as taking exactly. that money, either running or taking the money and putting it into whatever account that's going to be the best uh, benefit for Rick, whoever has a better kickback or whatever. It's you really you have that responsibility to work on behalf of that customer for what's right and what's the best for their situation. Exactly. And and one of the things that I have found over time is that, well, quite frankly, over time, 
is the most important thing that matters, right? So we want to look at things when we're putting them in our investment portfolios that we can actually look at over a long period of time. So if those are things like mutual funds, we're looking for funds that have 10 or more years of a track record. Uh, I Actually, personally, I prefer something with 20 years of a track record because for, for the investment side of things, that takes us through both some positive and negative equity markets. That takes us through some positive and negative um, uh, fixed income or bond markets in that time frame. I want to know how these particular funds perform in those time frames. And, and it's actually not just the funds themselves either. Uh, believe it or not, the actual manager on those funds matters. Yeah, and that's one question I do have. And obviously, you know, I may be a little bit biased, but if you're looking to choose that portfolio manager, what are some questions you should be asking to really drill that down? And if you see something that sounds too good to be true, is it that kind of case that you probably is? And and that's almost always going to be the case, right? If something looks too good to be true, it probably is. So some of those questions, whether that's for the financial advisor who's managing your portfolio or those questions about the guy who's managing the mutual fund itself, one of those things is, how long have you been doing this? Mm -hmm. What has your experience been in doing this, right? Both on the positive and the negative side in those kind of markets. Because again, you want to know, right? If I'm the if I'm the investor, I want to know what kind of logical, rational decisions is my advisor, is my portfolio manager going to make in that time frame? Is he going to make these, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, I've got to do X, Y, Z. And and we're going to talk about this in another segment and possibly make some almost fatal mistakes from that investing side and doing them emotionally. Or is there a logical process to different mm-hmm. things? Maybe not uh, making a big, broad, sweeping change, but a tweak here and there. Maybe a minor adjustment. What are those things in the um, investment policy, if you will, that, that allow for some small adjustments based on what's going on in the uh, in the economy as it is currently? So what would be some of the you know keywords or, you know, certain phrases that should automatically be a red flag if you're sitting down maybe looking for someone to help take care of your assets. Well, one of the one of the things that I come to uh, for me personally as a red flag is for anybody who's asking for what you would call full discretion. And what full discretion is is that they can make any change to any any holding in any account at any time without asking you, the investor. That, uh, I, and I know there are folks out there that say, I just don't want to be bothered. Just do whatever you need to do. That's too wide open and too vague because there are some crazy things that, that folks with full discretion could potentially do that you really don't want because they have full discretion, even if there is an investment policy in place because they can always come back to say, well, I thought this was in their best interest. Rather than, you know what, there are guidelines we're working inside of. So so having that full discretion is typically one of those points where I would say, ooh, 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 not so good. Now, having a limited discretion, right, 
Limited discretion typically means I can make an adjustment on a small scale, which means that if we've sat down, you have a particular level of risk that, that you're okay with. Say you are okay with that growth risk mm -hmm. on a portfolio. I can make adjustments inside of there that as long as it stays in the growth risk range are okay, but I can't take you from growth to an aggressive portfolio or a conservative growth or all the way down to what we would call a protected cash portfolio without your consent. And, and that's one of those things that I think is, is very vital, especially if we are actually teaching clients why we're doing what we're doing is to be able to get that consent because, again, it's not my money, it's yours. Yeah, and when it comes to those kind of asset allocations as well, I mean, what level should somebody have as far as making those decisions? You know, should they be almost micromanaging as far as calling their money guy every day, every two days, saying, hey, I saw this. What's the situation? Do we need to move? Things like that. I mean, is there a point where it's almost too much worry and too much kind of uh, oversight? Well, the, the there are two parts to that. Mm -hmm. um, a, I don't think as an investor you can ever have too much oversight uh, because it is your money. You do want to know what's going on with it, mm -hmm. but you can have too much worry okay. about it. Because especially if you're paying an advisor to look after, to make some of those smaller changes inside of your right risk level, that's what you're paying them to do. Because, you know, if I'm looking at it, I'll go back to when I was a teacher. I was a teacher. I was at school, usually 6.30 or 7 o'clock each morning until if, if I had a club activity, if I had a, a game or something after school, it might be 5, 6, 30, 7 o'clock even before I was done with my day. So I've already put anywhere from 8 to 12 hours in in my area of expertise. Why would I want to spend another 4 or 5 hours taking that away from my family or my time to, quite frankly, rest to, to do even more in-depth research when I'm already paying somebody else to go do that? Yeah, and I think the thing that you just hit on too as well is you have to remember that you're working with an advisor. And yes. the word and the root of that is to advise. So obviously the job is to make those decisions, but you're supposed to be the decider at the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. And and the best thing that, that you can do when you have sat down with an advisor, right? We use the term asset allocation. What that really is is spreading your investments over over a wide range of different types, right? That that could mean anything from the size of the company, the large companies, the medium-sized companies, or the small companies. And, and quite frankly, even those words have some interesting definitions in there. Um, a, a small company is anything that has less than a billion dollars of assets. So to us as the individual, that's still a pretty good sized sort of company, but it's also not the 100 plus billion dollar sort of companies like Walmart, like Home Depot mm -hmm. and, and that sort of group. So they, they get diversified out through the size of the company. We also look at having things allocated to different sectors, whether that's energy, uh, consumer sectors, both discretionary and staples, 
right? What's a consumer discretionary uh, sort of a thing? That's going to be something like going to the movies. Yeah. It's not something you have to have week over week, month over month. Whereas staples, those are things like, well, staples or or groceries mm-hmm. or those things that we are buying consistently over and over and over. And you're also going to have things like energy sectors, financial sectors, technology sectors. You can break all of those pieces down. Uh, there may be some allocation funds that you've got in there that can go between having equities, having uh, having fixed income. And then even in that bond world, that fixed income world, there are varying types of those as well. We've also talked uh, previously about things like growth versus value, right? The growth stock companies, these are the ones that are typically growing year over year, whereas the value companies or value funds, these are things that are trying to find stocks that are on sale, right? That are that are undervalued for what they think the, the price ought to be on there just to hold them to get them back up to what the normal price ought to be. But that's also the the reasonable ones, too. That's not like you're crazy. I read this on Reddit that, exactly. uh, you know, in trying to play the game with it, too. This is somebody who's actually looking at longer term, longer deals as far as their financials and really finding that true value, not just, hey, I think I can make a gamble on this. Exactly, exactly. And that's uh, that's one of those things that, again, as the investor, we need to be informed of, educated on, and and really take some of that advice with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, that is it for this segment of Money Matters. When we come back, we continue talking about not making those emotional decisions, how to take the emotion out. We will be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers. And, and we've been talking a lot, Andrew, about that, uh, that idea that making emotional decisions, especially as it relates to our finances, uh, not technically the best idea out there. And, and at, the, at the end of the last segment, we were talking a little about some asset allocation and and I want to come back to that a little bit to to kind of get us started here in the last segment. Okay. And and one of those things that I think is very important when you are sitting with an advisor, whomever it happens to be, is to go over what is the right asset allocation for you in particular. Okay. Because if if you are going and that's one, another one of those red flags that uh, we we talked about a little bit earlier there. If you're going to somebody and they're telling you one of two things. Oh, I've got one portfolio and everybody fits in it. Or I treat every client individually and I'm individually trading everybody's portfolio. One of those is way too general. The other one is way too specific. Um, especially, you know, for example, if you are like us 
And you have a number of different households, and that number is into the hundreds of different households. A, it, it is not efficient to have an individual portfolio for every single client, right? Because it's terribly difficult to trade three, four, five, six hundred mm-hmm. accounts all at one time in a single day. Very difficult to do things that way. Yeah. The other side of it is way too general. I have one portfolio that I manage and every client gets the same thing. That's not exactly taking your needs as the client into consideration. Because even even myself, in my world where my retirement account is pretty aggressive, some of my other accounts that are not retirement-based because I'm not looking 15, 20 20 years down the line – are actually much more conservative. So even as a person, I can actually have different levels of risk depending on what my money is supposed to be there for. Okay. And and really having the right risk measured is going to help build the proper allocation. And there have been studies done since literally the mid-1960s on what role having the right allocation plays in what your overall return is versus things like picking the right mutual fund at the right time does. And the crazy part of that is having the proper allocation represents about 90% of what your actual return comes out to be. Really? Really. So inside of, say, a growth allocation or a conservative growth allocation, the actual funds themselves, the the choice of exact fund, makes up less than 5% of what really happens when compared to other funds in the same category. Okay. But having the right category is what matters the most. Not being too heavy in one side or another And again, whether that comes back to the large, the medium, the small companies, the growth or the value, uh, particular sectors, uh, or using specific types of bonds, it actually comes down to that big picture much more so than it comes down to the, well, we didn't have the best holding in this specific category for this exact 12-month period. And of course, it also goes down to that time frame as well, too, because you can't just yo-yo in and out of these type things. If you're looking to set up that account, say, for a retirement, knowing that it's going to be 20, 30 years down the road, really, you got to kind of see it through and not just all of a sudden pack up and run the first time you see any alleged sign of distress. Exactly. And, and you know, those, those emotional decisions, right? Because that's what uh, we see a lot of. Making those emotional decisions ends up costing folks money. And, and there are a couple of different uh, case studies, if you will, to, to take a look at this. Uh, if you go back over the last 30 years in the S&P 500, since 1992, the S&P 500 averages on an annual basis just a little bit north of 10.5% per year. Okay. But the typical investor who has been invested in S&P 500 index-type funds, or or they have a portfolio that's supposed to mimic the S&P 500, in that same time frame, 
they average only a little over 7%. So what accounts for that difference? Well, one of the things that I, I hear a lot is, oh, that's because you guys who manage that portfolio charge way too much money. Well, I will tell you this. If somebody's charging you 30%, that is way too much money because mm-hmm. you're losing 30% of that growth. What really is typically the case is this thing we call emotion. As markets are going up, everybody's feeling good. They're on that they're on that uh, market high, if you will. They, they're exuberant. They're, oh, yes, this is great. I'm going to buy. And they're buying things on the way up. And then it hits a top because markets are cyclical and it starts to come back down. And now, oh, no, right? Chicken little, the sky is falling. Oh, my goodness, I could end up with nothing. I got to sell this before I have nothing left. And they sell low. So we bought high. We've sold low. I've taught this for years to folks, both high school, college, and now even uh, clients in, in the adult years. There's a very simple way to make money in investing. Mm-hmm. You got to do two things. Okay. You got to buy low and you got to sell high. Wait, you don't have to go to a seminar? You don't have to buy a book, anything extra with that advice? Well, I'm happy to sell a book if, if I had one that I had written. I, I would love to sell a book. I'd love to charge for a seminar. But no, the, the, it's very simple. It's buy low mm-hmm. and sell high. But emotionally... Our nature is to do the opposite, is to see stuff going up and going, oh my goodness, I've got to get in there, right? It's the FOMO, that fear of missing out. I've got to get this, so I'm buying high. And then, oh my goodness, it's dropping. I got to sell. I got to get out. I got to get out. I got to get out. So I sell low, and it's the opposite of what we ought to be doing. So it's not that the system's set up against the little guy and making it where the little guy can't succeed. It's really the fact that these larger institutional investors, the system, if you will, takes that emotional side out of it and just looks purely at the logic and numbers. Exactly, exactly. The the decisions out there being made are being made in that uh, almost pre-programmed, if you will, sort of way of when X happens, Y is the result. When Y happens, Z is the result. And we're we're not going to deviate from this idea. You know, a lot of those different funds out there, and if you're researching mutual funds, one of the things you want to look at is their turnover rate. A good mutual fund, because if we have a buy and hold philosophy for our investor, we should also see that buy and hold philosophy inside the mutual fund as well. It might have a 10 or a 15, maybe at the high end, a 20% turnover rate. But for the most part, they're going to be holding the companies they've held for a long time. Because as an investor, we want to hold those investments for a long time. It's also going to uh, actually help keep uh, you in the market. Yeah. And and there's some data out there. This is, this is actually kind of interesting. If you go over the last 30 years. Okay. The S&P 500 averages over 30 years, right? We, we, we've got that 10.65 roughly return over the yeah. last 30. If you missed the best 10 days, not in a year, but out of the last 30, cuts it to a 5% average annual growth. We've missed 10 days in 30 wow. years. 
we basically cut it in half. If we've missed the 20 best, we're down to about a 3% average growth. So one of those phrases that you will hear time and time again is it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Okay. Both with us being invested in those particular funds, but also making sure that the funds are not pulling out and moving your money here and there and here and there and here and there. Right? It's finding that good strategy, sticking with it time after time after time. Because if you missed the 50 best days in the last 30 years, so that's basically you missed one and a half days every year of being on the best day in the market, you actually have a negative annual return on average. Wow. So... I know it's easy for us to go, oh my goodness, the sky's falling. I heard this on this news station. I saw that on that finance program. And they said, I got to get out, get out, get out. The answer is, if you've got the right allocation built on the right risk level and you're staying invested over time in that long haul, it's going to work the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And... And that's one of those things that I really cannot stress enough. Yes, I've had clients over the last few years, you know, whether that was that quick drop we saw in 2020, the drop that we saw a little bit at the end of 21, but mostly through 22. I've had the folks that call and say, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I can't do it. I got to get out. And my response virtually every time is, if we get out, that means you've guaranteed the loss. Yeah. If you stay in... It's that roller coaster. We can hit the bottom. We can ride it back up because I, uh, my crystal ball doesn't work. It, it's broken. It's been in the shop a long, long time. I can't tell you when the best day will be. I can't tell you when the worst day will be. But I can promise you if you get out of the market, there's a good likelihood you're not going to be there for the best day. And, and in fact, if you look at what happened even in 2022, if you missed five best days in the year, which actually were spread throughout the year, you're actually down over 50% in your own portfolio rather than maybe being down, depending on, again, what risk level you're at in that 20 to 25% range if you're at the high end. So it's really just that that mindset. And again, just going back to that thing we've been hitting on over and over is taking that emotion out of it and really taking that 30,000 foot view that, hey, this is not a short term goal. This is not a short term play that you really have to stick it out and really know that uh, despite what you might see one day, two day over the span of this overall investment, things will probably end up working out. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, as, as an advisor, that's exactly what, what my role is, is to help take that emotion out. So folks, if, if you have an issue taking some of that emotion out, if you want that other set of eyes kind of helping to, to look at, to coach you across what am I doing, what changes do I need to make, do I need to make any changes, you can give us a call over at FRS Financial at 719-500-8700. I think I'm uh, maybe the third or fourth guy on that uh, phone tree list because we do it alphabetically. Uh, folks, that is all the time we've got for this week on Money Matters. Again, if you've got questions, feel free to give us a call, 719 500 
We will be back again next week continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.